are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments, scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Shark Child, and this is The Dark Verse, testament scrawled in hidden places and on nether things, with the sole purpose of sharing with you a unique world of horror and fantasy that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. If you weren't already aware, the Dark Verse Volume 2 hardcover book is in production right now and will hopefully be out by the end of this year and it is very exciting john f stifter again is doing the artwork for me and everything is looking really really good if you want to see some of the artwork you can go ahead and go to my facebook page and check out some of the artwork you can find it there that's facebook.com slash shark child all right it is story time I decided to begin a new series, and so this is the first portion. This is episode 81 of the Dark Verse, and it is entitled Killing Tools, the Glove of Wires. There was nothing wrong with my childhood that should have ever attracted the blackness that arose at the age where toy robots, slingshots, and water guns were the apple of my eye. I played, I fought, I got hurt, I got in trouble, and I learned. Despite my innocence, the ominous stars aligned and allowed the oddest of circumstances to bring a tool of the rarest kind into my possession. Speed, Tree, and I ran as fast as we could from the rusted house, a house given such a name because of its burgundy paint. Our hearts were racing and our breaths were heaving as house after house blurred in our visions as we ran down Stainver Place. It was dusk. It was rumored, as far as rumors go throughout the universe of the child word that there were ancient gold coins buried in the backyard of the rusted house by a sailor that used to live there. It was said that the sailor found them in an abandoned ship, a ghost ship, drifting in the middle of the ocean. Being the adventurers that nine-year-old boys are, Speed, Tree, and I came to the conclusion that we would be the ones to find the coins. So we went to the house, snuck into the backyard, and began digging with the odd assortment of shovels we had brought with us. The house, of course, was lived in and the inhabitant did not like troublesome boys tearing up the backyard. A middle-aged man, full of rage, chased us out with a baseball bat, and he was fast, 
fast enough to keep on our tails. Speed, as his name employed, was quick and had no trouble darting off into the safety of the blackening day. But Tree and I were left in the hunt, and as our energy failed us, we decided to split ways. Being the one destined by the stars, the man followed me while Tree escaped. It was at this point that I felt my legs go numb and my strength notch backwards. In a straight run, I would have been caught, so I turned and ran towards a light blue one-story house. I went to the side gate, opened it, and entered. The man of the rusted house was not far behind, so I made sure to close and latch the gate behind me to gain back those few seconds I used myself to open it. I came into a backyard full of overgrowths and weeds. Large trees towered over the land and blocked out the sky. I spotted a tool shed nearly buried within the plant life, and so without delay, continued inside. Within, I found not tools, but a staircase that led downward to a candlelit hallway. In the vacancy of caution, I bolted forward down the stairs. The hallway was nothing more than planks of wood on the walls and ceiling, and its distance was about thirty feet. At the end of it was a door. I opened it and blasted through. As I went inside, I could hear my pursuer's footsteps thumping down the stairs. To my shock, I plunged into a circular room full of people. There were about ten men and women, and they lined the outer edges in a circle. Their clothes were nothing out of the ordinary, but all of their faces were completely painted over with wispy swirls of white. Even stranger yet, all of their fingernails were affixed with the claws of animals painted white. The walls of the room that curved upward into a spherical ceiling were black and covered also with larger swirls of white. Upon the floor was a massacre of wild animals, pigeons, bobcats, house cats, dogs, rabbits, deer, and coyotes. These animals were all dead, some recently, throats sliced wide open, and some not so recently, rot and bones. Blood pooled beneath the carcasses, and this blood, too, was laced with swirls of white paint. My feet made sticky squeaks as I pattered into the middle of the arcane gathering, and then fear like the fear of the most dreadful death plummeted through the depths of my soul. After but a few steps, I stopped in place and became a statue. Dominated by terror, I could do nothing but stand there and wait to see how my intrusion would be reacted to. My onlookers patiently looked upon me as if not surprised or disturbed by my entrance. Shortly thereafter, the rusted house's owner invaded the scene. He stopped at my heels and permeated the silence with an abrasive, What the hell? Behind him, two of the face-painted gatherers blocked the way out and encroached upon him. He was able to hit one of them with a solid strike of the baseball bat before he was clawed and stabbed down to the ground with the empowered nails of the gatherers. I remained frozen as they slit his throat only two feet from where I stood and let his blood pool outward into the mingling of animal blood. 
One of the gatherers walked to the blood with a basin of white paint and drizzled upon it the swirl symbols. As if not worried about the presence of a stupefied boy, the gatherers showed no haste in dealing with me. They took their time, finishing their deeds with my pursuer to solidify his union with the slaughter art upon the ground. But upon their completion they did come for me, and it was then that the last ignition of instinct sparked within my brain. I kicked the first gatherer in the knee that approached me, momentarily neutralizing her, and then I began to run. I got one step before a hand of claws slashed across my face, sending me down upon the ground of blood, paint, and death. The blood and paint mixture smeared upon my face and body and got inside my mouth. Its taste dominated my senses and became the sole nightmare of my present condition. I swallowed within the panic and terror, gagged and intensely threw up within the wreckage I had become a part of. In the following moments, I felt beneath my right hand, which was extended deep beneath the pile of death's remnants, a device of sorts. It had a cavity within it for the easy induction of hand, and so naturally my hand slid inside. And when it did, I knew many things as a knowledge of another world came into my being as thorns extended from the inner shell of the device and locked my hand in place. In the world of giving only gifts are purpose. In the world of giving, only death is the divine gift. Beyond time and space and beneath the folds of existence, the world of giving dwells with its one truth. Give death. Give yourself. Give others. Give death. It is the source of suicide, murder, and sacrifice. It is the rhyme of the demented, the wicked, and the hateful. To the devoted, the world of giving gives back to receive greater giving in return. For its faithful worshippers, tools are crafted. One such tool was stolen, and I was the thief. My right hand danced upward from the pile of death. Extending from my fingers were wires that curled in the swirls that saturated the eye's visions of that hidden room. As my hand ascended, the wires swirled outward with endless reach, lassoing around me in a swift motion. I pivoted on my feet as the wires brought me around in the completion of a diabolical ballet. Each and every one of the gatherers surrounding me fell to the ground in six sliced pieces. My childhood and life were never again the same. I no more had friends. I no more had schooling. I no more was a son beneath the guidance of loving parents. It was all abandoned in order to give. I was undoubtedly the first of my kind, a child-bearer of a world of giving's tool. This made me darker and more deviant than the innumerable list of the quasi-demigod owners of past tools. The intellect passed on to me, mixed with the raw mind of a child, created a more exceptional giver. 
I was imaginative, I was reckless, I was unsuspecting. I made up my mind that I would only seek out the blood of other convents of the world of Giver's followers. It was only their blood that would please the lust of my life taking. I knew this as soon as my first killing blows struck the cult of white swirls. My own brethren were the perfect gifts, and within the successes, more tools of the world of giving would be mine to behold. That itself would reinvent the grandeur of the gift. Killers killing killers, the darkest dark, the boldest gift. That concludes episode 81 of The Dark Verse. You can download all of the past episodes on iTunes or at thedarkverse.com. All stories on The Dark Verse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without my written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. 